Welcome to Breadcast, the first ever Bread Coffee House podcast. I am Aaron Weiss, and I just wanted to make sure that you felt welcome and wanted to remind you that here at Bread, we love Jesus, but you don't have to to be here. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the second ever episode of the Breadcast and the Staff Stories. Uh, this is Kyle. Uh, and I'm here with Kishore. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, we are, um, I guess, about three weeks into this new uh, normal that we're in. And I've been actually quarantined for two weeks. So that's uh, that's exciting. <laughs> uh, never, ever thought I would say those words. Uh, but here we are. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting uh, being quarantined in your house. Uh, with a three-year-old, <laughs> because you know, uh, little things like, uh, "Can I go to the playground?" We're like, "No, buddy, I'm sorry." Um, yesterday, we've been talking to him about this everything, you know, as much as you can with a three-year-old. And yesterday, we were outside, and um, and he goes, and some of his friends were outside across the street, and he goes, "Daddy, is the is the virus still here?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, buddy, uh, it is." And he goes. Oh, I wanted to go play with Max and Arlie. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, man. Um, but yeah, it is. It's it's weird. We uh we had to get uh, friends buying us groceries uh, a couple times uh, because we can't go to the grocery store. I haven't been to a grocery store in like over a month. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, we oh yeah, because you've been international. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know, uh, sure if you've ever used Instacart before. Um, Never heard of it. But so it's like this online. You can go and fill out like a grocery order, and like a physical person actually goes and buys your groceries for you and brings them to your house. Um, I usually would have made fun of this before, you know, quarantined, <laughs> and now I'm really thankful. Um, right. But the weird thing is, like, people. I guess I never realized how personal grocery shopping is um, and like people making decisions for you, like when they're out of something and they decide on something else and you get it and you're like, I would have never bought that. You know, <laughs> uh, Like we asked for chicken breast and uh, when we got our groceries, I opened them up and there's like, it was like a whole chicken, like with bones uh, instead that I had to like get a knife out and cut the chicken breast out of it. I was like, yeah. I would have, I would have not bought so that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I'm an extrovert if you know me. So sitting inside for two weeks has not been the easiest thing. Um, <laughs> uh, we've tried, uh, like zoom, like hangouts with friends where we play like video or Jackbox TV and that sort of thing. Um, just trying to get some sense of normalcy. Uh, I had a friend group make this like Marco Polo group where it's like you can send video message back and forth. And I think we're all just so tired of being alone, <laughs> you know, but uh, but it is what it is. I am eating healthy, which is nice because I'm cooking everything. Right. And, um, you know, I'm a dad now, so and we have a garage. So I have, of course, I have some workout equipment because that you kind of have to. <laughs> Um, and so I've been trying to do the exercise thing, which has been fun. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out new normals in this weird place. We last night set up our, a TV out on our front porch and tried to do like a screen on the green thing with Levi and watched a movie. And it was super fun, you know. Um, but it's kind of where we are. How about you? How's the last uh, couple weeks been? Yeah, it's it's been real weird, man. 
Like, <laughs> and, like, nothing too remarkable has happened in the past couple of weeks, but it all started out really, really weird. Like, uh, I, I don't know, don't really know any other words for it, so... Like, <laughs> sure. I mean, you were over in England and whatnot, and but like I was still over here. But it was spring break, and kind of for us in the whole Emory Atlanta and Emory Oxford worlds, it started out really on like March 11th, when the university said it was like effectively renaming itself from Emory University to Stay Away University. <laughs> and now, like, it's, what, Zoom University? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think all universities are Zoom universities yeah. now. <laughs> we all just need to get sweat- sweaters that say, Zoom you, or what. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, on, and then for the U.S., like, Rudy Go- Gobert had to, like, touch everything and not take it seriously, therefore uh, shutting down everything in by March 12th. So, like, March 12th is known as the day that U.S. sports died. The yes. um, Basically the day when the U.S. started taking everything seriously. Yeah. And before that, what was March 12th really known for? Uh, all I can think of is, like, FDR's first fireside chat. Uh, I think the Truman <laughs> Doctrine was also March 12th, and I also think, like, Gandhi's, like, salt tax march was also <laughs> then. But at least, like, and, like, nothing really remarkable other than those, like, three main things, like, internationally. But, like, for me, it was also known as my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> So wow. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Everything you care about is now, now shut down. And then, like, <laughs> for me, I was, like, since it was the week of spring break, I took, like, some, like, the front half of that week and did, like, support raising, fundraising, and whatnot. And, like, the last two and a half days, I w- went down to Florida to Sarasota, uh, with some friends, and we were going to go to the beach, we were going to go to the Tampa Bay Lightning game, and because mm-hmm. I haven't seen an NHL game in just about two, three years now, um, mm-hmm. and then we were going to go see spring training, because uh, that was only an hour away, and mm-hmm. then uh, I remember it because we were on the beach, because, like, that was something you still could do before all the coronavirus <laughs> news came out. And we were on the beach, and then we were slowly getting all these updates about everything getting canceled and, like, the severity of coronavirus. So the only thing we actually managed to do was go to the beach. And then also the next day, instead of going to spring training, we took a tour of miniatures of the Ringling Brothers Circus. <laughs> yeah. Like, something I totally expected doing there. <laughs> but it was just like, I, it was one of my weirdest birthdays ever because the entire time we, all of us were barely present. And like, mm-hmm. like we were present for like half the time because I mean, like we were right next to each other. But all of us were wondering how like, our, how the coronavirus and all those cancellations would like affect our jobs, our classes, etc. And I was personally wondering how all of our bread stuff would look like. Because for a campus ministry, mm-hmm. ideally, you'd, like, have a campus. <laughs> <And> now I <laughs> guess, Seriously. like, 
we are switching over to a virtual campus, so we're still pushing on. And mm -hmm. basically, that's, like, been the most out-of-place thing for me. Like, and most recently, it's for the past couple of weeks, it's not too much has been going on. It's mostly just been, like, a little more self-isolating because I've got asthma and I've had pneumonia in the past, so I'm more susceptible mm. to all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've been, like, cooking more, which has been fun. I've been reading a lot, trying to exercise as much as I can, get my back back to where it should be healthily. And, but yeah, nothing too eventful has happened. Well, yeah, we have been starting recording these podcasts as a way, you know, partly to still do what we do at Bread, which is, you know, sharing stories. We love sharing stories. And uh, it would be hard to pull off like a virtual DBS where we all sign in and uh, and do that. But uh, we thought maybe hey, Zoom gets 100 people. <laughs> that is true, you know, but I've tried using Zoom with like four people and at least one of them is going to have technical difficulties. So I'm not sure that that would work. Uh, but we do want to share stories every week, uh, you know, about our own lives and about uh, about God and about faith. And so uh, today we're going to be telling a really old story from the Bible. It's actually one of the oldest, if not the oldest, stories in the Bible, uh, and it's the Book of Job. Uh, now, I don't know. People always laugh when I say this, but the Book of Job is weirdly one of my favorite books of the, of the Bible. I love it. It's like... yeah. Somehow the book that I keep on going back and reading for whatever weird reason. Yeah, I always say that I just, I, there's something like messed up in my brain that I love kind right. of dark things, you know. <laughs> um, but it is it is really a great uh, story and great, um, you know, sort of, I guess, sort of exploration of a lot of uh, things that are really important um, in life. And so uh, we're going to kind of really quickly walk through this story uh, and then close with a couple of things that are, you know, that we've seen in our own life from this. But uh, if you don't know the story of Job, uh, the story of Job, it, you know, it's it sort of reads like a parable, although no one knows for sure, you know, um, if that's what's going on on here. But uh, it reads as if this sort of like, um, you know, it begins with God and Satan uh, up in heaven looking out at their servant Job, who uh, Job is this uh, really wealthy uh, man of God who uh, always takes his faith very seriously. Uh, every time his kids do anything or you know have it have any sort of bad experiences, he makes sacrifices because he's trying to uh, make sure that they didn't do anything to upset God. Uh, and so this guy has everything. He has tons of money, tons of servants, tons of you know in the ancient world you would have lots of uh, farm life and cattle. He has a huge family, uh, and his life is great. Uh, and up in heaven, God and Satan are having this conversation, and uh, uh, essentially, uh, God tells Satan, "Have you seen my servant Job? Uh, you know he's he's um, he's perfect. He he does you know, he is really devoted to me." And Satan says, "Well, let me take away everything, and we'll see how devoted this guy is to you." And so God says, "Yes." Uh, and then the next chapter, or the rest of this chapter, it says. Uh, very quickly, Job begins to lose everything, and it's it's sort of like obviously it's really sad if you if you're like were in Job's shoes, but when you read it, it's almost comical because in literally in one sitting, Job is standing there, and like one guy shows up and says, "Job, uh, all your cattle is dead," and then 
before that conversation is over, another guy shows up and says, you know, Job, all your servants are dead. And then another person shows up saying, hey, your children are all dead. Uh, and, you know, it's this weird sort of overwhelming. He loses, literally loses everything. Um, and yet stays faithful to God And in response to that. Um, and then the next chapter jumps ahead and it goes back to God and Satan uh, and God saying, look, I was right. Job didn't um, didn't give up his faith in me, even though he lost everything. And Satan says, well, it's because you didn't go after him personally. Uh, and so he says, let me, let me, if he gets sick, you know, if something happens to him, he'll change his mind. And so God says, okay, uh, do what you need to do. Uh, just don't kill him. And, uh, and so we go back to Job and Job gets these like boils all over him, you know, is, uh, it's really terrible to the point where even Job's wife tells him, you know, you've done something wrong, just curse God and die, which, you know, is not the greatest response uh, that you could give someone, um, in that situation. Um, but Job says, no, no, uh, I'm not going to curse God and die. And he actually, he says this really powerful thing, um, uh, he says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? That's his response. And that line to me has really stuck out to me uh, in this book. You know, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Uh, and that's where the story sort of pauses. Um, and it switches to about 40 chapters of, uh, of speeches. <laughs> uh, and, and the speeches are between uh, four of Job's friends and Job. Um, it starts with three friends, this guy, Eliphaz, Bildaz, and Zophar. And it says that they, they in, in the beginning, they do what's right. They come and they sit with Job um, for a week in silence. And they just are there with him. If you've ever been uh, with someone who's going through something really difficult, you know that the best thing you can do is to sit with them and not try to offer up explanations and to try to, you know, give advice, but just to be. And so in the beginning, they, they do. They just, they sit and they're, they... They exist with Job and his sufferings. But then they begin to open their mouths <laughs> and, uh, and, and it, it sort of make it, you know, like the other analogy, if, if you've ever been in that situation, it's very easy to open your mouth and say something really dumb when, when someone is yeah. in a, a situation like that. And so uh, they begin to, you know, sort of push Job on why all this happened. And you begin to see really quickly that all three of Job's friends here, Eliphaz, Bildaz, and Zophar, they have a worldview that doesn't allow them to accept that bad things could happen to someone and it not be that person's fault. Um, you know, they, they sort of see this world as like, uh, you know, as long as you are righteous and you follow God, good things will happen. And therefore, if bad things are happening, it ought to say something about you. Uh, so Eliphaz, the first friend, tells him, uh, "Only the are the innocent always prosper? And Job, you're not prospering anymore, so clearly you're not innocent. And then Job is like, I, but I am. I haven't done anything wrong. This is unfair. Uh, and they go back and forth and back and forth. And then Bildad comes along and says, you should just repent of what you've done wrong. And Job is like, but I haven't done anything wrong. I don't understand. Uh, and then Zophar says uh, to an extreme, he comes in and he goes, Job, uh, you deserve worse than what you got, which is probably the worst thing you could say to someone in this situation. <laughs> um, and so for about 30 chapters, this sort of, there's this sort of back and forth between um, Job and these three friends uh, and all of them trying to tell him he's done something wrong. And Job responding to all of them saying, no, I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and then in pops a fourth figure who wasn't there in the beginning, um, 
but his name is Elihu. And uh, he begins by calling out the other three friends, uh, telling them, like, you know, you've given really bad advice. You don't know what you're talking about. But then he kind of confronts Job for trying to justify himself rather than to uh, point to God. And it's an interesting sort of turn here where uh, you realize that Job's, uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't lost his faith in God, but he's spent a whole lot of time in this conversation with his friends justifying his own behavior and, and his sort of attention has moved away from God in some real sense. Um, and then uh, this whole thing ends with God showing up and confronting everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's sort of a terrifying moment because it's like it's God showing up and there's this tornado-like whirlwind. And, you know, there's about four chapters of God reminding everyone, you know, that he's God and that he is uh, in charge of everything. And he's been there, you know, since the beginning of everything and uh but the the reason i like the story is at the very end in chapter 42 god confronts job's friends and tells them that they're wrong for uh giving this sort of bad advice to job and his suffering you know up until they his friends show up job is really committed to god in the face of the suffering uh, but then Job's friends show up and they begin to give this really terrible advice uh, and to sort of speak um, really negative theology into the situation. And suddenly Job's attention moves away from God into his own, his own sort of suffering. And God confronts it and he says, you know, how dare you? Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, the story ends with, um, you know, everyone, uh, our Job getting everything back. It says he gets double what he lost. Um which is part of why I think the story kind of reads like a parable because, you know, if, uh, if he lost his entire family, getting twice as much family doesn't really yeah. <laughs> help. It's, uh, but, uh, but in some sort of a, you know, he gets twice as much as he lost um, uh, and everything sort of works out in the end there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you have any sort of thoughts about this or maybe how that, you know, works out in your own life? Yeah, it's like... I... Every single time I read it, I, I really love it because it's kind of what a, it's not just a story about like oh um suff- it's not just a story about suffering or whatnot, but it's also like reconciliation and it really yeah. like also like kind of tests out um in in my mind at least like what are you like putting your trust in. Yeah, and so every single time I think about it, it always makes me think of the times in my life when basically all of my circumstances changed, and in like those times when those times when you basically realize, oh, everything that I once knew is now changing, and like for me, like a lot of those times are also times when in my life when everything I put my sense of security and was changing uh in mm-hmm. in those times you like naturally go out and seek advice and you hear like so um, kind of a bombardment of so many voices yeah is and one of those times happened to me after my time at georgia tech uh, i finished my degree at tech and i decided to work at ccf which for those of you who don't know it's the bread at georgia tech and I, but that was just a one-year internship. After that, I was planning on getting a job and doing something along the lines of research engineering. Mm-hmm. And while I was working at CCF, I 
realized I didn't want to work in a regular old research job. Uh, basically, like, just doing things that I was doing while I was doing research at Tech. So, I had this, this opportunity at a nonprofit in Alabama popped up. So, I decided to take a full-time job with them. And looking back on it, it was a great job. And it was a great decision. But, at the time, everything was changing. Everything I knew I could count on at Tech and the community I had there was changing. I was basically leaving everything I knew. I was leaving what became my home for the past six years while I was there. I was leaving being in close proximity with my friends, leaving the career path I thought I was going to pursue, and a lot more. And needless to say, I was really nervous about it and sought advice, as I'm pretty sure anyone would do. Um, and there were plenty of people in my life who were trying to who give me advice and speak truth into me. And there were plenty of friends and mentors who helped me and gave me great advice and helped me in my, my transition. I'm very thankful for that. But like Job and his friends, I mean, you guys can't really see the air quotes I'm putting around friends since this <laughs> podcast, but uh, I'm putting air quotes around friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like with his friends, there were a lot of voices either giving me empty advice, I and also just people who are adding doubts and worries into my decision. There are plenty of people who are saying that I was making a mistake. There are plenty of people giving me advice on what to do after finishing this internship, even though they also air quotes, uh, and even though they knew I was trying to make it into a full-time job uh, and just basically giving me useless advice. Um, (laughs) And then there are plenty... Uh, um, people also giving me some like kind of empty advice that everything would work out in the end without really giving me any actual advice and (laughs) there were a lot of of my own voices in my own head that were casting doubt on this choice and really in my mind um, or really in practicality the only thing that I could really rely on was God and count on that God would provide for me and everything that I was worried about. I I leaned into the people that were actually not just giving me advice, but the people who were actually sticking by me and offering help. Um, so I, I was worried about my move to Alabama, considering that I didn't have transportation. Also, crazy decision. Looking back on it, I'm not entirely sure why I decided to move states without having transportation. Um, I probably would have done some stuff in different orders, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there at this point. Because really, like, God put people in my life that helped me move there, helped me store my, my stuff, and helped me get a car eventually. And I was worried about like the separation from the only community I knew, because at Georgia Tech I actually got a community and that I could count on. And that was suddenly changing because I was leaving. So, But God helped me find a community in Alabama and also keep my community from tech, even though it looked different, uh, even though it's long distance, even though a lot of it was kind of sparse and in between. Uh, God eventually helped me get to a place where I could have both and get a good sense of community. And, like... And through so much more, he like helped me um, ease my worries and whatnot. And 
kind of like Job, I technically did nothing wrong and whatnot, but I was really testing whether I could, like, count on God and whatnot. And mm. none of it was easy. I mean, and I'm sure for Job, none of it was easy for him either. I mean, he literally got, like, like uh, skin diseases and whatnot. <laughs> and, like, not, and none of it was easy for me. And it took a lot of hard work and time. But I learned, and once again, I learned that, and I seemingly had to learn this all the time in my life, but I could trust God in the tough situations. And that just seems like something that all of us had to learn and relearn. And I mean, even Job throughout the story, he had to re relearn or at least reinforce the fact that he should be leaning into and putting his trust and security in God, which is something that I've like countless times seen in my life. And which is kind of why I like going back to this, this uh, book in the Bible and actually yeah. like read it over and over again because it does speak to so many times in my life. I feel like thinking about the story, I was, I was trying to think of like, you know, all the different places that I've seen the same sort of thing, you know, uh, same sort of need to be reminded to trust in God despite the sort of outside voices. And honestly, the most like, one of the most recent story I have of this is uh, just from this past week. Um, you know, if you know anything about me, there's two things you probably know. One is that uh, I'm a sort of a, a news and information junkie. Uh, I'm always on Twitter. I'm always sort of consuming what's going on in the world. It's hard for me to pull back and not, uh, you know, try to get as much information as possible. I had given up Twitter for Lent, and then we were in England and woke up to the whole travel ban situation, and I was like okay, sorry, God, but I need to know what's going on, you know? Uh, and so, uh, so that's, that's, that's on one hand, part of who I am. And on the other hand is I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Uh, I'm always assuming that I'm, you know, that there's something wrong that, you know, uh, that I'm going to get sick. Uh, and so this whole situation hasn't been great for those two things to be <laughs> married together. Um, you know, there's sort of constant paranoia that, you know, that you've got it or whatever. And, um, and then last Saturday, uh, I began to feel kind of not great, and um, and I started getting like chills, and I was like, "Oh no, what's going on?" And I've been sort of religiously taking my temperature every like few hours through this entire mm. quarantine because that's just <laughs> that's just how Same. I work. Um, but I started watching the thing going up, you know, from like ninety nine to hundred to hundred point five, and then one hundred one, and that was the moment where I was like, "This is real," you know. Um, and so I got in bed and uh, just laid there shivering and very, very concerned that I had gotten uh, sick on our trip. You know, uh, we spent a lot of time with people and uh, and then on, also sitting on my phone, you know, reading all the horror stories uh, that you're seeing on, on the Internet about everything. And and it got you know, it was really hard Um now, just so no one's worried, I woke up the next day feeling fine, and uh, and I've felt fine since then. It's been a week now, and so I either I I had the mildest version of it that you could have, or it was just a fever. Um, but uh, it it was hard, um, and it didn't help that I was consuming all these sort of outside, you know, the sort of uh, the extreme things that are happening around the world, and sort of that was that was the sort of first line of communication I was seeing. Um, and then I, you know, I got up the next day and, um, started feeling better and we went outside and started playing with Levi. Uh, and it was like just being outside. I remember looking up and seeing the clouds 
uh, and hearing like the birds and you know breathing the pollen that's making it where I can't yeah. breathe anymore, <laughs> um, and just be reminded that like everything is okay, you know, um, that the world that uh, that the internet, you know, obviously there's real there's real hard things going on out there, uh, and not to like ignore that obviously, but at the same time, you know, God is still God and the world is still you know, as it, as it is and will always be, you know, that, uh, I'm reminded of that, like Matthew six, uh, where Jesus tells his disciples, like, if God cares for the birds in the air and the flowers of the field, how much will he care for you and take care of you? You know? And it's like, uh, I just, I just, in that moment, I needed to be reminded that like everything is okay. You know, um, that it doesn't mean that I don't take everything right now seriously. And of course there's a lot to like sort of consume ourselves with, but like there needs to be something deeper than all of that that I'm grounded in that um, that the sort of current situations don't like determine my worldview, you know, that uh, that I'm grounded in in a God who loves us and cares for us and um, and isn't going to uh, abandon us even in like really difficult times, you know. Yeah. So we re- we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening mm-hmm. to us talk about life and talking about the bible and talking about god and we uh on our closing note we'd like to to as we always do we like to you guys to consider some stuff and our three have you considered this week are have you considered that it matters who or what you allow to speak truth into your life and have you considered that have you considered who or what you put your sense of security in and finally have you considered that you can trust god when life gets difficult awesome guys well i hope you all have uh, a great week and uh tune in friday for our second of uh two weekly podcast um (laughs) and if not uh we will see you all next monday thanks for listening Thank you.